Hey there, travelers. It is your GM, Lucas, and I just wanted to thank you all for your hard work. You brought us up to the top of the charts on Good Pods. I wanted to post about this on the weekend, but, you know, all those holidays and such keeping me busy. But I just wanted to say thank you so much, everyone. You not only did what we asked for uh, getting us to the top of the fiction chart, I believe, you actually got us to the top of multiple charts. Let's see here. We were number one in the top 100 hobbies weekly, number one in the top drama monthly, we were number one in the top drama weekly, number one in the top fiction weekly, and number one in hobbies monthly. I think there were a few others. Uh, I grabbed a screen cap of it. So absolutely amazing. We kept that up for like a good week. It was pretty cool. I think we're still still charting on good pods, which is awesome. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much. And as the reward, as the treat, as the thing I promised, I am bringing you these two episodes from our Patreon if you want to hear more cool one-shots like this and all the good stuff, head on over to our Patreon, and of course, it helps us out so much. But I don't want to ramble too much. Let's just dive into this dang episode. Thank you all. Without further ado, enjoy the Nostradamus Research Station. Where this story takes place is inside one of the many research stations of the Nostradamus. This particularly chilled biome has been designed to keep a lot of special, more dangerous creatures at bay. Previously, this floor was entirely run by the Illithid, but over time they found they needed a lot more assistance when it came to things. So they've slowly started to recruit other workers inside the Nostradamus. During this period, they've brought in a few new research subjects and moved out some of the other creatures. They brought in one test subject known as the Sandman. Originally, there was just two creatures, but they found they quickly multiplied to four, having to split them up into separate cells. These long, gangly, yellow-skinned creatures are able to stop a person from sleeping and then feed off the madness and delirium that happens shortly after. Another one of the beings was known as the Seer, a young woman who is able to predict things with her sight. When she sees someone, she could see perhaps certain injuries that are on their body, and the moment that it's spoken out loud, these injuries are quick to follow. They found that they've needed to keep her blindfolded during the testings now, after a number of the researchers have perished. There's another subject, called Billy Crystal. This skeleton, all crystallized, walks around in his containment cell. Anything that's placed into there slowly becomes more and more crystallized until it is absolutely solid. And the second last subject is known as the Sponge. This large bipedal creature has strange, soft, oily skin, standing about nine feet tall, and when you're in this room with it, it slowly absorbs the time, the potential time, from your body, absorbing it and growing larger, and as you will rapidly age around it. And the last subject that the Lithid brought in is one that they recently just got on an expedition to the Far Realms. 
it has revealed itself to be known as the Ghoulish One. It has been very compliant. This strange elven man with a large gray bristly beard and gray hair often just sits in the middle of his room, staring out anybody who walk by. He's shown a great amount of strength and a very deep knowledge about the Far Realms and has been very helpful in discovering more about these creatures. So, why don't the three of you introduce yourselves and who you'll be playing and give a little brief description of them. I guess I'll start. Uh, I'm Mars. I'm a Firbolg Paladin. Uh, I've been guarding things my whole life. I started off guarding my forest and since I've been sort of hired up out of my forest, I now guard this shit, and I take it very seriously. Well, as seriously as I can. I'm not a very serious person. And yeah, I usually do things by force. Alright, I'm playing uh, Minori Greywatch, who's a high elf cleric, and uh, mostly does research and data analysis. Um, she's usually not the one that's in the main science team. She's usually the one parsing all the data and finding the trends and that kind of thing and just content to slowly keep her head down and work her way up through the ranks until maybe she's a head scientist someday. Um, I'm playing Captain Bakum. Uh, that, is, that is his name. His first name is Captain. He, he is not a captain. Uh, he's a human guard just uh does what he does what he's told is no nonsense and doesn't much care for people being jerks he'll absolutely like stand up for anybody who's being like picked on or whatever he's like nah ain't happening not on my watch nice so the three of you have been working here for about three months and this station it's fairly large you have a nice greenhouse outside that's completely covered up and uh, it stays pretty warm and there's some good plants in there to kind of make you feel like you're not just stuck in this snowy wasteland and large water containment units outside there's a guardhouse outside you even have a few vehicles that you can just go ripping around in the snow to just maybe have a cruise kill some time or go pick up supplies and even the building itself, there's a lot to do in here because they realize that other creatures would get bored, whereas the Illithid don't mind pouring everything into research. There's break rooms, there is lounging areas, uh, places with like holodisc to watch, um, yeah, other things like the comms room, you can get some TV in there, but not a whole lot. Stevie a short dwarf with long black hair and a long black beard is often manning the controls in there and he does his best to get you guys good channels but he can only do so much so we start off this day with all of you showing up to this main uh, hangar where a lot of the containment cells are connected to and there's a few of your park ships in here as well and you have one of the illithids standing in front of you Zaltair. He's about seven feet tall. His tentacles go quite far down to the ground. And he wears this metallic black robe. It's strange. You know it's hard material, but when he moves around with it, it looks like it's soft like cloth. And he strides over to the three of you standing there. Often you, Captain, and you, Mars, you have to guard over 
this area for to make sure none of the creatures get out. You just do your rounds. Maybe sometimes you go outside to make sure there's no vulnerable places for these creatures to escape. And Minora, you've been brought here while they do a quick test run with the ghoulish ones so that you can go over the data they have that's coming in. You three, it's good to see that you're in such good health. I hope your time at this research station hasn't been too unpleasant. Oh, not at all. I've been quite hospitable. Thank you. Yeah, we've been doing pretty good, Mr. Salt. Captain, is everything been good for you? Yeah. Could be a bit warmer, but, you know, I'm all smiles. We're all good. Ah, yes. The heat is a bit of a problem. But take a stroll through the greenhouse if you ever need to warm up those limbs. It is nice in there. I need you two here just in case something happens with this ghoulish one. He's been quite compliant, but today I'm going to step into the cell to ask questions and try a few things with him. Well, he definitely won't get past me if he pulls anything funny. Yes, Mars, you've proven yourself quite useful. Well, I guard things is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) You do a great job, buddy. Everyone's just patting him in the back. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually just did the, like, arm motion to that, too. <laughs> yeah. So he sets up this large computer. There are multiple screens that it's near this containment cell, so you'll also be looking in there, Minora. And he slowly opens up this glass door into this room. And the room for the ghoulish one is quite sterile. It's this sterile white. There is a small bed over in the corner. There is a washroom. He has like a little sink and a toilet. And there's a table with a chair. But the ghoulish one has just been sitting on the middle of the floor. He hasn't used the bed. Hasn't used the chair or the washroom. Hasn't needed any food or anything. He's just been sitting on that floor for days now. And Zaltair sits down on the bed across from him and now you get to watch a DM talk to himself Um, I'm just gonna say that uh, Minori she pulls out her notepad and her pen she's probably got like one of those little clipboards she's ready to write down all of the observations and you see on the screens that are in front of you there's a few uh, different devices that are inside this room that are monitoring like energy, psionics magics Anything like that. And so he is, uh, you're, so you're monitoring all this stuff in there while Zaltair's inside. Got it. Zaltair looks towards the ghoulish one. Where are you from? And slowly the head cracks towards where Zaltair is. The body still hasn't moved from its sitting position. The head is looking about 90 degrees at him. I'm from the beginning. Why do you have me in this cell? I'm getting tired of waiting. And you see the energy levels, both magic and psionic, uh, while the ghoulish one is talking, they spike dramatically. And Zaltair just keeps going. What is the beginning? Where 
From the far realms are you from? And the ghoulish one smiles, and his lips begin to crack. A little bit of blood comes out of them. You won't know it, even if you saw it. And then he turns back, and he stares right in your eyes, Captain. Oh boy. Okay, I'm just staring back with a smile on my face, because I'm not going to be rude. Yeah, of course. Make note of that. And Zaltair tries to ask him a few other questions, and he's just being ignored. Frustrated, he gets up off the bed and closes the door behind him. Uh, He seems to know things, but he's playing with us. We'll have to try a little more invasive measures next time. You mean like hitting him and stuff? That seems a bit extreme. No, Lars. No. We'll just use some psionics to try to get inside his head. This is a science facility. Of course. And we need to use different methods for research. Oh, I agree. I just mean that we normally don't resort to hitting people right at the beginning. No, no, that is farther down the line of trying things. It's the last resort, really. Of course. I like to think of it as an advanced technique. (laughs) Pretty sure it shouldn't even be an option. (laughs) Zeltair, he writes a few things down in this strange language. He uses two of his tentacles, and they just make these little ink dabs and little bumps. And he closes the book. Well, it seems I won't be needing your assistance today after all, then. You can do as you wish for the day. And he puts his book away, and you can tell he's kind of angry, and he walks towards where his observatory is. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, Minori seems pretty disappointed, too. She was looking forward to maybe witnessing a breakthrough. But uh, she sighs and says, Well, I guess I'll go compile this data. Bye. What are you two guys going to do? Um, for, for the ghoulish one, there, there's a wind, like a ob- observation window, right? That we can see. Well, uh, the whole wall is like, uh, this, uh, think of it kind of like plexiglass. Okay. It's obviously a much stronger material, but like each of these cells for all the creatures, it's just a complete glass wall that you can see. Oh, in. So we can always see them and they can always see us. That's not yeah. creepy. No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, here, uh, let me walk you. And I go with, uh, Minori to, to wherever, right? And as I do, I'm gonna wave to the ghoulish one by. He smiles. And his smile, it's a little too large, has a bit too much teeth, and he just waves at you. <laughs> and, Mars, what are you doing? Uh, I'll probably go back to patrolling around, looking inside the cells, and also checking entrances, make sure nothing funny is going on. Okay. So, Captain, you and Minore walk back to... uh, The comms room is where a lot of the computers are stationed. It just seemed like it was an easy place to keep most of these things. And Stevie is jamming on these really old-looking headphones... He has those, uh, it's like those classic 90s ones with just the foam over it on his <laughs> right, ears. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So all of his dwarven speed metal is just bleeding out of them. You can hear everything he's listening to. 
and he's just jamming out while he's just typing on his computer. Captain's bobbing his head. <laughs> it's one of the better albums for sure. Uh, Minori just sighs again. As it's not the first time that she's been stuck in the room with this guy, but she sits at one of the other stations to uh, compile what little notes she has left. There's definitely a glare or two in the direction. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stevie turns around, sees you two there. Oh, hey! How's it going? His headphones are still on. <laughs> um, Minori has, like, one of those annoyed, plastered smiles on her faces, but she just kind of wiggles her fingers and says, Hi! And then goes back to work. <laughs> right on! Cap, Cap gives a thumbs up. Captain! <laughs> yeah! And and just goes, I'm all smiles, buddy! <laughs> yeah! And he just, like, two big thumbs up, and he gets back to typing on that keyboard. <laughs> you see, there's another keyboard beside him, and it is destroyed. Uh, oh. He just, he's too hard on these things. Like, when he hits the space bar, it's like, bam! Like, he's just slamming it. And he's having a good time. Yeah, let's type into the rhythm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mars, while you're walking around, you pass by a few of the cells. You're looking in, making sure the creatures aren't running around. As you walk by the cells that contain the different Sandmen, it has this red glare that's over top of the, the windows looking in, the glass walls. So you can see these creatures... Most of them are crawling along the walls or the ceiling. Their long, bony, gangly arms are just trying to latch on and tear apart the walls, but they can't seem to. And this face, like, they'll turn around and look at you, and their mouths will just extend about a foot wide, and they have these long, brittle, sharp teeth as they watch you go by. And you're kind of used to these things these days. It was quite spooky when you first came here. You walk by another cell, and you see the seer is in there. She has a book in front of her. Looks like it's a braille book, and she's just going through it. And as you're walking by, she just waves with her other hand. Well, hi. Well, hello, Mars. How are things today? Well, they seem to be going to plan. How have you been? I've been fine. Well, it's good to see you're in a good mood. What do you mean by see? Well, you know, I can tell you're there. I just, I don't want to look at you because you know what happens. Oh, it's some kind of sense, I guess. I have, I get it. How's the weather outside? Well, same as always. Cold and dark? Yeah, it doesn't change very much. Can you get them to turn up the heat in my room? It's pretty cold in here. I'll ask them, but they got protocols. Alright, I get it. Can you get Billy to stop slamming on the wall between our rooms? Slamming on the wall? Yeah, I don't know why he's doing it. I'll just go over and, like, uh, tap on his cell and be like, stop! You see Billy is dancing. Uh, he's just jamming out hard in there. And every so often, he just... He, like, does, like, a jump kick to kick off the wall that's adjoining their two rooms and just keeps dancing. And then you knock on the the window and he looks over at you with just these empty sockets and just shrugs. 
Hey, you gotta at least behave somewhat in there. He kicks out a bit of the crystal on the ground. Yeah, I know. You're having fun, but that's not what this is for. He just throws his hands in the air and sits down on his crystal as bed. Wow, that's a little better. And you walk by the other room. You can hear Stevie's music just you know, bleeding into the hallway. And <laughs> you see the two figures <laughs> of Captain and Minora are in there. So they must be going through that right now. And you walk by the last cell. And you see the sponge in there. This large, faceless being leans down towards the window where you're standing at and its three-fingered hand presses against the glass and it just looks like it's just staring at you. I don't really like you either, Spongy. It, it just keeps watching you. I'll just continue walking past then, I guess. Captain... Minora is just typing away, going through some of this data, and Stevie is having a blast. Um, you can hear every so often, like, while Mars is doing his rounds, he's talking to the people in these different rooms. Uh, what is it you want to do? Um, I'm going to go walk outside. I'm going to go to the greenhouse. Sure. So you go to the door, and you go through the little decontamination area, and step outside, and this blistering wind just hits right into you. <sighs> and I, they give you the, like, parkas and stuff to wear while you're here, but it just doesn't help a lot. That wind cuts right through. And you see the greenhouse is there, snow's piled up around it, and there's a few little windows that are shooting out some yellow light. You see your vehicle is stationed right near the door as well. It's this large, uh, six-wheeled vehicle that often you guys will take just ripping around the snow for fun. Well, I'm, I'm just going to walk there, keep my blood pumping, you know. Yeah, lift those knees. Yeah, <laughs> get, get my exercise in for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you walk into this greenhouse, and there are rows of different plants in here. A lot of them, you don't know what they are. They look strange, multicolored. Some of them sort of reach out towards you. You know not to let them touch you. Uh, one time, one of them grabbed your hand in Mars's hand, and you guys were on quite a wild ride for a day. And they lifted out to take care of you. And uh, now, you, but while you step in here, this warm and humid air just blasts. And you see there's another lithid in here that's tending to a few of the flowers. And there's a large treant that is wandering around and just sort of reaching out and touching the different flowers in there. You know this uh, lithid that's in here is named Zion. Cool. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll head over to Zion, see how he's doing. Ah, uh, Captain. Zion, buddy! How are you doing this fine, warm day? I'm doing good. I'm glad I'm stationed here in the greenhouse. Are you all smiles once again? You know it. You always carry such an optimistic view. Where are you from, Captain? That's a good question. <laughs> you, you could absolutely make up any bullshit. It's totally fine. <laughs> I'm from the moon, man. Where are you from? You could be from Happy World Land. <laughs> 
it's 80 bucks a pop <laughs> uh, we we've had this discussion before zion i'm from the moon well a moon there's a lot of moons there are a great many moons i remember now sorry sometimes i get lost in the research oh, happens to the best of us uh do you need any help with anything you know me you know i got these big strong arms to lift things need something moved <laughs> yes actually i would love it if you can help bring that mulch that's over in that corner and help me spread it across the plants we're going to see how they react to it. Sure thing, Zion. And I'll start doing that. So you're spraying this stuff on, like just taking uh, the shovel full and like dumping it on these different plants. Some of them actually make a sound, like almost little squeals of joy. Some of them hiss at it. Some of them just seem to like immediately wilt and some of them just start blossoming. And you see that Zion is just writing all of this down. For for the ones that like Wilton and make noises of of like what seem like pain, uh, Cap just keeps like grimacing like oh no, <laughs> as if he's doing something <laughs> bad. But all the ones that are really happy and blooming, he's just like there you go, pals. He's so pure, uh, knowing not to touch him, but he does like little air pats. Love it. So these yeah, these plants are a lot of them are rejoicing, but yeah, some unfortunately recoil. The ent is just watching you as you go through doing this, and it takes a little bit of time. So you find this is taking up a good portion of your afternoon. Minora, while you're going over this data, you saw that there was strange and unusual spikes of energy each time the ghoulish one talked. You're honestly not sure why. There was no spells going on. There was no magical effect that was being monitored. It's just large signs of these energy. Like he just had so much in him that when he was talking, it was just blasting out. Uh, what was the name of the illithid that was asking the ghoulish one questions? Uh, Zeltair. Zeltair. Z-A-L-T-A-I-R. Um, well, I made a note of that for a reason, but I'm going to compile that data and email it to him. Just send it off. Your email browser or your email application is the worst because you're in an office. <laughs> so it takes a minute. You get the Terrible. little spinning circle. And then... Uh, There's like that dial tone screeching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Stevie turns around. Nice, nice. Because he thinks that you have music on. Uh, he just keeps going back to hitting that keyboard Stevie is wonderful (laughs) I I hope everything goes okay for Stevie Uh, and I still haven't listened to that album he recommended and gave me a flash drive of oh yeah I was like yeah yeah I'll totally listen to it Steve and it's like sitting somewhere in my room untouched People are suspecting that a lot of the issues of bandwidth is just Stevie constantly trying to get albums uh, and bring them in here. Because, <laughs> you know, Dwarven Death Metal just doesn't compile and rend very well. It's just these massive files. Yeah, it's usually like an hour long for a single song. So. Yeah, the solos are rough. Yeah, they're high quality. Black they're surround nothing. sound, so they have like seven 
you know, uh, tracks instead yeah. of stereo. It's it's, <laughs> it's That's right. Adobe Atmos. So it's real good. You need a very specific player just to run any of these. And shortly after sending this email, you get uh, a little message pops up, and it says, meet me in the observatory. Um, I do. Say bye to Steve. Yeah, he waves bye to you, just does like, rock on! And you're walking out. Uh, rock on! And she's gone. <laughs> Your ears are kind of ringing. Yeah. <laughs> you're walking the headache. <laughs> and then you, just, you hear him, he's singing a solo. And you walk out of there, and you go through a few doors and make it into this observatory. There's these massive telescopes that are pointing out towards the few open windows of this floor. Because most of it, this biome, it's made to look like it is an actual environment. But there is still a few open windows that point out towards the stars that Zaltair likes to look out towards. You think sometimes he maybe gets a little homesick? Yeah, he seems to look out there, never really doing any actual research, just watching. You see him, he is standing over a few notes, and he has a, a laptop that's near him. Every so often, a few of his tentacles reach out and hit a few things on it while he's looking over things. Uh, Alright, um, yeah, I'm gonna walk in. Uh, Zeltar, you wanted to see me. Ah, Menorah. Your work has been... Very admirable, as of late. Thank you, sir. This energy with the ghoulish one. Tell me, what do you think it is? I'm starting to wonder if it's some kind of psychic energy that he doesn't have full control over. Or if he's intending to control with it whenever he speaks. When I was in there, and he was speaking to me, I felt his presence. Not just because he is obviously a being of power and he was standing in front of me, but I very much felt him everywhere in that room. It seems this is a powerful being. On that note, I need your assistance with something. Sir? We've received a new piece of hardware from upstairs. It'll help us look more into this ghoulish one's mind. But I can't do this alone. I'll need you to help me. And he pulls out, there's these two helmets that have little screens for the visors, and it hooks up to a much larger machine. We'll be able to do use this device and look into its mind, but I'll need you to join me as we step in there. Can I trust that you'll be up to this task? I gotta think about it for a second, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's like, how ambitious is she? That yeah, that's pretty yeah. much what he's he's gauging right now. Yeah. Because right now you're being offered a very unique experience to step into something as strange and mysterious as the ghoulish one's mind where with new technology on top of that and you'll have you know this elithid walking you through it but at the same time it seems kind of creepy 
Yeah. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, sir, but I don't think I'm ready for that yet. That's quite all right. I just figured I would present the opportunity to you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. But I like to be the person behind the screen, you know? Of course. Well, I'll trust that you'll help make sure everything runs smoothly tomorrow. Of course. You can count on me. It's just like an embarrassing salute. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thankfully, the Illithid doesn't seem to make you feel uncomfortable about it. He just slowly <laughs> nods to you and then just starts to get back to his work. That'll be all. Thank you, Minora. Thank you, sir. She's gone. Mars. Yes. You are cruising around here. You've done your full rounds. Everything looks like it's in tip-top shape. You saw one of the Illithid, um, Elvaris, was sitting in the break room. He was eating all the snacks, as Elvaris tends to do, even though he doesn't really eat that food. Just seems to be a power move that he likes to play. <laughs> and uh yeah now you're done your your walkabout and everything seems to be okay you can just hear the echoing music from stevie and uh yeah all the monitors are showing everything's in good health it looks like a few people are in the greenhouse person's in the guardhouse okay uh i would probably just go and hang out in the greenhouse because I just miss trees and plants and stuff and a lot warmer. That makes sense. Yeah. So you brave the wind and step outside after going through this decontamination process. And you quickly march over. By the time that you make it inside the station, you already have a bit of frost and snow that's caught up. And I imagine your fur bulk has like a beard something like a yeah you'd have a lot of facial hair he's just kind of a haggard kind of guy yeah so it's, it's all frosted by the time you get in there and it was only like a four or five minute walk and now you're inside there and you see that captain's in there he's pouring some mulch on some plants zion's ready comes down the ent looks over as you walk in and slowly gives you a nod welcome Mars. Well, thanks. It's good to see you again, too. Yes. Are you hungry? Well, I'm kind of always hungry. He produces this apple in front of you and just holds it out to you. Well, many thanks, sir. You're welcome. I'll see you later. I'm going to go help the captain tend to the plants. So you pick up some of this mulch, and you see captains there, all smiles. All smiles. <laughs> yeah, just pouring this stuff on. Well, how are things going in here? Oh, you know, all smiles. And he looks a little bit to the plants that are clearly not as uh, happy, if not dead. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> he, he just gets a little frown, and he's just, like, a little sad. He's like... Mm. Yep, all smiles. Uh, what brings you over here, buddy? And, you know, I hand him a bag of mulch to help out. Oh, I just kind of miss the green leaves and stuff. My home forest, you know? Oh, tell me about it. On the moon, we we don't have much green. 
It's a lot of blue. Is it actually made out of cheese? Well, you should come visit. We could find out together, because I've never tried. I would love that. Especially if we find some weird moon trees. That would be cool. <laughs> I've never seen a weird moon tree. Just regular moon trees. That would be an exciting adventure, friends. I would just assume they're all different from the ones I'm used to. <laughs> so you guys are talk about moon trees, <laughs> worn out this mulch, and just, you know, having a good time in the greenhouse. Everyone uh, meets up, you know, it's dinner time, people are all sitting down munching. None of the illithid are there, but, you know, Stevie's there and the three of you are there. And the illithid find that other people don't really like watching them eat <laughs> due to their diet. <laughs> so they eat on their own. And you guys are all just sitting there, just munching out. Stevie, for once, has his headphones off. Did you guys listen to that album I sent you? Uh... <laughs> You're right, the Beard Forge. Classic band, I can see why. I just think it was such a brave move to do all drums. Just four sets of drums. It was definitely banging. <laughs> yeah, you don't get much more better than that. And he's just chowing down. Uh, the food here is actually pretty good. You guys have a wide variety of food. The problem is the snacks are usually eaten up because of Elvaris's power move of always eating everyone's <laughs> snacks the moment they get restocked. I just, you know, I just miss chips. I just wish I had chips. I'm just kind of a little choked that Elvaris ate the chips. They just came in this morning. I was really looking forward to the, the cheese puffs itself. He doesn't even need them. He doesn't eat that food. Oh, man. Just all we're saying is save some for us, right? Like, where does it all go? He's so skinny. Well, you'd think he'd only eat the pudding because it's kind of like what he normally eats, right? I wonder if brain tastes like pudding. Maybe there's a brain pudding. You know what? I bet there's a market for that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying... It's just save some of the snacks for the rest of us. Yeah. I, you know what? I should just do an extra order and not tell Varys. Just sneak them on in. We can hide it in our rooms. Yeah, just put some of my cheese, cheese puffs on there. Okay, I'm totally going to do this. You see, he's just scribbling something down. Finally, some justice in this place. <laughs> so you guys eat and... You quickly shower, and everyone gets ready to crash. The Illithid are going to take the night shift. You guys usually work the day shift. While you're sleeping, Mars, you dream of great grand trees and your time back at home. You miss it because life was a little simpler there. And you knew what you were protecting. It wasn't all these weird creatures. It was protecting the forest from those that would do it wrong. And it's a pleasant dream. It kind of makes you a little homesick. <laughs> I keep forgetting Minera. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Minore. Minore. <laughs> but I was... 
I'll fix that in post. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I think we've yeah, collectively man. said it like six different ways. <laughs> it's so like Aaron so. Bordeaux all over again. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Minora. And she just doesn't notice because it happens so often. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just like rolls off her back these days. It's like how everyone in the government refuses to acknowledge the name Lucas. It must be Rufus. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You don't know how many times I've been on the phone with a government employee, and they're like, uh, Rufus Ruff? I'm like, am I like a canine <laughs> sheriff? It's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Lucas Duff. Just get it right. <laughs> Someone call the Paw Patrol. You have a file in front of you. <laughs> Rufus Ruff? Yeah. Oh, no, it's Lucas Duff. <laughs> no, and then they I love it when they fight me on it, but yeah. <laughs> it's they like fight like They're <laughs> like, uh, I have Rufus here. I'm like, well, my name is Lucas, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like, well then you have the wrong number, clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hang up, they <laughs> call me back. Call... <laughs> <laughs> you need to go call Rufus. <laughs> yeah. Minori, you have uh, what is a classic stress dream. You really thought more about, should I do this thing? Should I not do this thing? It's not really my thing. It was a good opportunity. Still not really my thing. And you just stress about it. And so you have that classic stress dream where you're working on the computer. Something starts going wrong. All these different errors are popping up on the machine. You see the two beings that are using the headset start convulsing, and then they flatline. You look over there, and it's you in one of the chairs, and Zaltair in the other. And you quickly wake up in a cold sweat from that one. And Captain, while you're dreaming, usually it's all smiles. <laughs> usually it's uh, it's pretty cheery. It's like a, like you're watching a Muppets movie. And it starts off that way. It's going good. You have Tim Curry there. It's great. It's a blast. <laughs> yeah, everyone's singing. It gets a little weird, though. It starts sounding like you're underwater. You can kind of... You have that sound of like, you know, like air bubbles going through water while you're under it. And you open your eyes, it's really blurry and hazy. You see there are lithid that are poking and prodding at you. And you find that you're strapped down in this machine and you're trying to struggle to get out while these lithid are just watching you. No compassion as they poke and prod at you with needles and make notes on things and speak to one another. And you quickly wake up from it. And you're in your bed. You're sweating. You're not sure what that was all about. And now it's morning. <laughs> 